I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevning. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bigfoot, America's Creek Devil. We have Mike East Texas joining us today. Mike, how are you? Oh, doing great, Will. Thank you. Well, Chuck, you and Mike have had a chance to talk, so Chuck, do you want to take the lead on this? Sure. Mike, how are you doing? Oh, doing good, Chuck. How's it going over there? It's going pretty good. Well, Mike, I, I guess the best way to, to start is uh, I know you've kind of kept a, a diary of things that have happened, and um, I guess start out with, uh, you know, the subject matter and, and some of the things that you started experiencing over time, if you don't mind. Yeah. Sure. We, um, I've always been kind of a city boy, um, living in suburbs or in cities. And, uh, as far as my knowledge or experience with Bigfoot prior to this, it was, you know, maybe catching a, a $6 million man episode and it was Andre the giant or, uh, you know, an occasional, uh, uh, show, you know, like, uh, the one that Leonard Nimoy did, you know, something like that. I, I never really put stock in it. I always figured anything that big would have to have already been in a zoo or a museum. And, uh, as I got older and then the idea came across my mind, it was more like, these just must be misidentifications, you know? Um, and you know, you have the abominable snowman, which to me was just a made up claymation character. And, uh, I actually put more faith in the possibility of extraterrestrials than Bigfoot or ghost uh, growing up and my familiarity with it. I'm still kind of not 100% convinced until I see one. Uh, I am from Texas, Texas native, but in that regard, I'm more of a Missourian. You got to show me for me to believe it. So, yeah. Um, the encounter and I say encounter loosely because I haven't seen anything yet. Um, but my wife and I, we are pretty sure that there's something going on. And uh, I think many other people have the same situation and similar occurrences going on, but they do like we were doing. They just brush it off as something else. And it's not until you really start to look closely around yourself and listen to others and open your mind that you'll start to see the possibilities. And uh, if you keep looking long enough, you'll start seeing something. I'm sure, you know, uh, we're at the point now where we're starting to get footprints. They're old. I'm, I'm not out there every day and especially not after the rain, but that's what I'm going to start doing after we have some rain. I'll go out there and look for some. The old ones I've found that I think are, the prints are very degraded. They're filled in. They've eroded, but um, that's all I can figure that they are. It um, it's uh, we moved out in the country. We're we're on the edge of uh, a rural area with several acres of forest coming up to the back of our house. I mean, like 
maybe 50 yards from the edge of a forest on the back door. The uh, house is an old house. It's over 60 years old. And the only access to the backyard is through the front where we would see intruders coming around and through, you know, I've got no trespassing signs posted. And I often target shooting 45s and my 50 cal right out in the back into this area. Uh, so it's pretty good to turn against thieves and prowlers and people like that. I don't think anyone's that stupid to come back here. Um, we used to have a, a big old uh, uh, lamppost out front, wooden, you know, with a, uh, what you would call a mercury light, which automatically comes on when it gets dark. And it, it was just so gaudy looking and you know looked weird out front that as soon as we got the house that was the first thing i did i cut the thing down took it down and i look back now after all these things we've experienced and i think you know what that was what they call the booger light that so many people had back in the days you know to try and keep the things from coming up in their yard so that was uh, oh, a couple of years ago when we first did that got rid of it um, we, we noticed the first thing was, um, with my wife, she heard a voice when she was in, uh, what is now my office before we turned it into it. We have a, a back door that goes out from my office out to the outside into the carport. And then the carport is open and there's a glass uh, window in the door, you know, itself. And she was in here one day and she heard a voice. It was night. It was dark. And she couldn't see out through it because the inside light was reflecting off of the inside of the door window. But she heard a voice say, Hey, and it startled her. And, you know, like most people brush it off. Then she heard it again and it was hey, even louder. And I wasn't here. I was out of town. And it freaked her out enough that she locked the door and left the room and wouldn't go in here for weeks. <laughs> so she told me about it and I just thought maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was the, the sound of a semi going down the road, hitting the zip strips on the side of the highway. You no, know, and it just kind of made that sound kind of like an auditory hallucination or something. Um, who knows, you know, so brush that off. Um, then around April, May, 2022, we both heard a from the forest when we were returning home from family, visiting family. It was in the evening. It wasn't dark, but it was, you know, about 7.30 or so in the evening. And I asked her, I said, did you hear that? And she said, yeah, she'd heard it many times, but she thought it was an owl. And I, I knew enough that it wasn't an owl. That was weird but i didn't think much about it um may 2022 we were out hiking there's a park out here nearby uh, and we go out there and, and we hike and on the trail we find the torn off lower front legs of a deer playing side by side there's no blood and they don't look like they were sawn off or, or cut off. They look more like they were just torn off the animal. 
And I said, well, that's peculiar. And there's no ants crawling on it or flies or anything. Um, I thought that's just strange. You know, and there's no hunting allowed out there. So I don't know if it were poachers, why they would tear the legs off and leave them. That would be leaving evidence behind. Besides, <laughs> that's just, that's going to get you busted out there anyway, if you are. Um, we just figured, well, maybe it's a cougar or something, but I still thought, why would it leave both the legs next to each other side by side in the middle of a trail? You know, um, so around December 2022, while I'm out of town, at about 10 or 11, my wife heard loud footsteps outside at night, crunching around the backyard. It was close to the back door near our den. And she looked out there, but she didn't see anything. Um, she never even told me about that until recently. And that's when I started taking stock of more of these things. Um, March 2023, it was starting to warm up. And I'm trying to turn this back area of of our backyard that goes off into the forest into a, a deer feed plot. And uh, so I'm back there and I took a jar of peanut butter, screwed the lid off of it, took some deck screws and screwed that to a tree and then opened the jar, cut the bottom out of it and screwed it back onto the tree. And I was told that this would be a great lure for deer that they'd come up there and, you know, they would feast on that. And the next day, I wanted to take stock to see if I'd had any activity because prior to that, I'd taken uh, some pictures with my trail cam out on the tree of a good-sized doe and her fawn. And I thought, well, there's hope, you know. And so I got there, and I look, and the, the jar is gone. It's been unscrewed from the tree. But I look over to the side, and there it is. It's completely empty. I mean, there's not not a tiny atomic trace of peanut butter in it at all. And I thought, well, an animal, a raccoon or something, they're going to, they're going to leave some in there, you know? So I thought, well, that's still weird. Maybe who knows, you know, maybe deers came up and got it out of there or what, you know, I didn't, I didn't think, you know, Bigfoot or anything like that about it, but, uh, Let's see, about a week later, after the the peanut butter decided, well, okay, instead of peanut butter, I want something that's going to last a little bit better. So I bought a bag of apples, and I threw the entire bag of apples out there uh, to lure the deer up. Next day, I go out there to check it, not a trace, not a single piece, nothing. And I thought, well, that's weird. You figure, you know, if it was deer, they'd leave a couple of pieces or you know, something. Uh, so we're, we're out there in the evening working in the garden or something. And I'm thinking, you know, somehow the topic got on Bigfoot or something. I think I was starting to wonder about it at that point with the jar and the apples and everything. Jokingly, I went out towards the feeder area and I did uh, a call and uh, I didn't get a reply back, but all it was, was a, whoop, you know, and uh, I think based on how hard I did it, how loud I did it, <laughs> how I worked at it, um, I think I may have ramped up the activity. I think I think I bargained for more than I should have uh, because about 
two to three days later, I'm back out at the deer feeder and uh, I'm programming it. And I, before I get over to it, I look and I see there's a, a it's a, it's a bluish grayish blackish mound of poop. And it's, it's like if you had squeezed it out of a big tube, you know, uh, just a glob. And it's just full of seeds. And I thought, at first I thought raccoon, you know, it would have to be a large family of raccoons to generate that amount. And I thought, I don't have any idea what could have, you know, made this. And it was right in this little stream that we had, which was overflow from the retaining wall of my next door neighbor's stock pond. Her broom has a little crack in it and it leaks and trickles down and goes down across my backyard. It's this little creek down in this little valley that we have. And it was right in the middle of that. It was washing it away just slowly in increments. I still had the majority of it. It was about six inches in diameter and about two inches, two and a half inches tall. And had I thought about it, I would have saved it. But something told me, hey, bring that in the house. Your wife's going to freak you out, you know. So I just left it there. And um, I just thought that was weird. I didn't put too much stock in it, you know. All these things, I just brush them off, you know. Um, So now March 2023, feeder at dusk. It's about 8.30 at night. We just come back from visiting family and it was dark. I'd wanted to go out there and and refill my um, feeder. And I was out there just fixing to check and see how much was in the the container. And I heard a very low, deep growl. And it, it seemed like it was like 30 to 35 feet from me off to my left. And I looked and I didn't see anything. Um, But the second I heard it, something inside me told me to leave. It wasn't someone else's voice or, you know, anything like that. It was just a primal response. Leave. Get the hell out of here now, you know. So that's what I did (laughs) on my own property here. We have standard ground, you know, Castle Doctrine in Texas. And I'm not even thinking about staying on my own ground. I'm like, nope, got to go. Bye. So I boogied up in the house. I told my wife, I heard this real deep, low growl. It was like, you know, just a few seconds. But it, it just scared the hell out of me. Um, I decided then, if I'm going to go back down to that feeder, I'm going to go with my 45 and... uh it kind of slowed me down from going down there more often. It it really made me double, triple, quadruple think about going back down there. And and it wound up where I've hardly gone down there very many times. Times I have, I've I've been strapping. Um, Now, because I noticed on our video and, and being out there, we always had deer, you know, you'd see them, you know, on the trail cam and I could go out there any night pretty much, most times of the year with a flashlight and shine and I could catch raccoons uh, with my flashlight getting their glow and possums going up and down trees. And in the summertime, 
copperheads are real bad, cottonmouths. We have tons and tons of squirrels. We've had a few armadillo tearing up the yard. And, uh, but after the growl, I noticed I haven't seen any, and I mean any raccoons, any deer, any possum, no tracks down there in the creek. Uh, it's, it's weird. Um, copperheads, no copperheads. I mean, they were up around the size of the house, you know, and I'd shoot them and I haven't seen any of them. Um, I just thought that was a strange thing to notice. Well, it was around May, 2023, caught a field mouse that was in the house terrorizing my wife. (laughs) uh, I knew I was going to have to go out of town in a few days. I didn't want one of those uh, messy traps, you know, so I went and got this green plastic humane trap from Walmart. It's about two and a half inches tall, all about six inches long, uh, kind of cylindrical at the top and flat on the bottom. And uh, we caught it in that. And one end, you have a little sliding door that slides straight up. And the other end, you have a, a little spring activated door that you push in with your finger and either one will release the the mouse, you know, for wherever you want to release it to. Well, I hadn't planned on releasing it. I, I didn't want it to come back in the house. I was going to probably shoot it with a BB gun when I came in from my trip out of town, but I put it on this vinyl white plastic shelf that we had outside where I put some uh, gardening implements and oil for my mower and stuff like that. And I just sat it there and I figured I got to go out of town tomorrow. So I'll just deal with it when I come back in a few days. I came back and it was gone. And I thought, well, that's weird. You know, maybe a raccoon possum or something got it. It would have to have reached about a foot and a half up in the air to get it. But I thought maybe that's what happened. I looked on the ground and it was damp. Maybe it had rained or something before. It was dew. I don't know, but it was damp. So there was a smear mark in the mud in front of it, about half inch wide, about seven inches long like something had swiped, you know, across the mud. But there were no footprints. And so I thought, that's weird. Maybe it was a hawk. Maybe, a, you know, some, I just brushed it off. Some kind of animal got the trap and took off with it. And I didn't think much about it. I really didn't want it back anyway, you know. Uh, so a few weeks later, I'm mowing the yard. I'm on my ride mower, and I go around the front, and I come around the back, and uh each time I pass, I take a little bit more, you know, and I clear out a little bit more. And I always walk first uh, before I mow to make sure I don't have any large sticks or rocks or trash or anything to scatter all over the place. And I made two passes over this area with the mower, widened them. I got a 42-inch wide cut, and I've got a good swath I've just cut. And I'm on the lowest setting, so it's maybe about an inch tall, you know. And on the third time I come around and pass, right in the middle of the pathway, that trap is there. And it's empty. And I stopped the mower and I got out and I thought, that's bizarre. If I would have ran over that, it would have shattered it and thrown it all over the yard. How in the hell and why is this here? What would bring this back here? And it had to have been watching me 
you know, and I got that feeling like whoever, whatever brought this back was watching me saying more mice. <laughs> That's just strange. So I put it back on the shelf where, where I'd left it originally and told my wife about it. That's when we started thinking there's something out there, something intelligent, whether animal or what that's doing things, you know, um, I still have the trap by the way. I kept it. And in case it can be analyzed for any type of DNA residue or anything, um, I'll be happy to give it to you. Um, after that, my wife, I, I'm always out of town. Like every, you know, every month I, I go and tend to my clients, um, out of town, but she heard at least eight loud, what she thought were wood knocks occurring over an hour, every five minutes. And it sounded real close behind her house when it was out of town. She said she felt like whoever, whatever it was, was trying to get her attention to get her to go outside. So she made sure not to walk out in front of any windows and to, you know, so she could avoid being seen by wherever it was. And on my return, she told me about it while I was gone on the phone. So on my return, I went out and I looked and I saw a smooth area on a pine tree that we have where it was rubbed smooth or hammered smooth where it was possibly hit by a rock or a limb or something. I'm not sure what. And the tree limb above it, which is about an inch and a quarter diameter pine tree, was snapped downward and pointing towards our house. And it was close to my deer blind. So I went and got the saw and cut it off. I took a picture of the where you know the limb was that I cut off and a picture of the smooth spot on the board. But had I thought about it, I'd have taken a picture of the break itself. I may still have that limb out there somewhere in my wood pile, my burn pile. Um, and if I if I go get it and look at it and, and uh, take a picture of it, see if there's a twist to it or anything, I'll be sure to get that to you. Um, but I'd sent you a picture of that smooth spot on the tree. Um, so June, 2023, I started to search the backyard and I found what I thought was a tree ripped out of the ground with the bark stripped off the top branches and then thrown up into the fork of a bigger tree, which is about 12 foot high. I sent you a picture of that. Now, the other day I got to looking at this and, and after further analyzing it, I realized it's the top of a tree that was broken off and then thrown down into the tree next to it, which is about eight feet away and uh, suspended in the air. So now it appears that whatever had broken that off, that tree had to have climbed up the tree, broken it off and thrown it down as opposed to throwing it up into the other tree. Um, I sent a picture of that one. And let's see here, June 2023, my wife heard loud owl hoots. And again, I'm out of town, so I always call her and ask her how she's doing, what's going on, anything interesting, or, you know, whatever, how her day's been. And she'll tell me these things. And on my return, we both heard multiple hoots outside. But the, the hoots we heard 
they were close to the back of the house and they didn't sound right. They were, they were too loud. They were too resonant and they were too close. And the time was, wasn't right. Usually an owl will hoot when it's late, it's dark or it's super early in the morning and it's, you know, pretty dark. Um, and, and not repeatedly, this was more like an 800 pound, you know, who, who <laughs> just sounding, trying to sound like an owl, but not, not really, not for someone that knows what they sound like. And, uh, I had to wonder if whatever it is knows when I'm home, you know, because I park out front, you can't see my vehicle from the backyard. Uh, you'd have to come up along the side of the house or into the front to see it. So that makes me think it probably didn't know I was there and it was still trying to get her attention and lure her outside. Um, I found what I thought was a possible footprint and I sent a picture of that. The heel is much deeper than the rest of it and it's going uphill and the uh, other portion of the foot opposite the heel kind of fans out across the ground. It's, it's not like you, Mungus. It's just more like a size 10 or 11, you know. So I sent a picture of that and also found a weird-looking sandstone rock with grooves in it. It looks like something that may have came from a cave. And it was, we don't have any rocks like that. It was lying near the pine tree where the limb was broken that was aimed towards the house and I kept that back there. I didn't pick it up and, you know, take it in or anything. I, I left it where I found it because I didn't want whatever it is that put it there to think I was accepting a possible gift from it, you know. By this time, we'd already uh, started listening, or at least I had, not so much my wife, but we'd I'd started watching um, Not Finding Bigfoot, <laughs> as Forrest puts it, and... uh things of that nature. I was getting interested in it at that point because I was trying to screen. I was trying to see if the things that I was experiencing didn't fit what the behaviors of a Bigfoot were. And unfortunately they, <laughs> they were. And, uh, so she heard, um, three loud whoops in succession. This was around July coming from our next door neighbor stock pond. And this was just a few weeks before the last tree near the other one was found the next morning and it was broken and again, pointing towards the house and from a high level, I mean, it's like 11, 12 foot, that top part of that tree was broken down and both of them were angled towards the house. I, I don't know what that means, but it's weird. I took a picture of that one. Um, like I say, we've never seen a Bigfoot, and we don't want to. <laughs> Sometimes I think I do, but uh, I just have a, a real creepy feeling, both of us, when we go in the backyard, um, It's especially at night. And it's gotten so quiet. I used to hear, you know, like I say, I used to hear raccoons fighting and uh, other noises out there. We don't. Uh, scraps of food we never had, but we sure went and started. And I had to stop throwing out apples, and uh, it 
it's made me um, lock doors and come in before dark. Um, it makes me wonder, you know, when you see out here in the country, when you're going down the highways and, and it's tree lined with these big tall pine trees and you see a abandoned car on the side of the road with a glass busted out of the passenger side or the back window and you know it's got a red tag sticker on it to be picked up makes you wonder you know if those cars are you know if they belong to people who are missing and what happened to them um i tried to talk to people about it and found out you know after being looked at funny that that's just not my thing. I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, but I think people experience these things a lot more. And either they don't know animal sounds or they just don't want to believe in something like this. But if they would open their eyes, open their their minds and look and start analyzing the stuff and going off in their backyards and going off into the woods... Uh, armed, of course, and never alone if you can help it, I think they start finding signs of this stuff, and I think they might even get some pictures. I know that when the batteries go dead in my trail cam, uh, it ramps up, so I try to keep batteries in it. And I've got some motion-activated lights uh, per Will's uh, recommendation, and it seems to have quieted down a bit with that too as well and uh, I've gone around the boundary of what I wanted to outline with some bleach recently as well so I'm hoping that these things will uh, minimize activity and noises and such but I think that they're older than us I think they're more evolved than us physically not mentally of course but physically they they don't need clothing. They don't need a lot of things. And I suspect that they have a very advanced immune system because they've got to be getting bit by snakes, uh, spiders, um, other things in nature, you know, poisonous plants, things of that nature. And yet no one finds, a, you know, a dead one, you know, laying on a path out in the woods anywhere. Even, uh, or stumbles across the corpse of one. Um, I don't. I don't ascribe to the mind speak thing, but who knows? I mean, if something is this advanced physically and this old, uh, who knows? You know, there's so many other weird things in this world. That, I mean, just like we're realizing the realization of UFOs right now, thanks to the U.S. Navy footage. Um, I think we'll uncover what this is in our lifetimes. I think there well, are people I, that already know. Mike, I got a question for you. Um, yeah. I, we talked the other night, and I, I can't remember if you told me this or or if we even talked about this, but do you think that some of your, your neighbors are, are experiencing the same kind of stuff but just don't want to talk about it, or yes. do you think that's a possibility? Yes. Um and the reason I think that um, I've heard I've heard a number of times several loud gunshots at all kinds of odd hours, you know. And unless you've got a spotlight in your backyard for your target practice, you know, I mean, 
yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, I've also got another neighbor that's an elderly woman, and she's hardly ever home. She's usually spending her time with other family members at other other residences. And uh, it makes me wonder if things that go on over there, I mean, also her, her dog is kept in a big, fully caged kennel, roof, sides, and all. Instead of roaming free, like, you know, most dogs in people's yards do. So I I think things go on. I don't know that they see them or maybe they have, but I think when people encounter this stuff, we either just brush it off, you know, adamantly, or we dismiss it, you know, out of hand and don't really want to know, you know. Right. And I I know you don't want to talk about, where exactly you're at but you're you're somewhere down in the southeastern part of texas aren't you yes okay well that's that's a that's pretty good hot spot area that's for sure um i know we've we've heard stories from down that way and a lot of sightings and encounters down there for sure yeah have you have you talked to anybody um, in your community, your neighbors? Has anybody said anything about having experiences and things like that? No, and and I was gravely disappointed because there was one old country boy down the road from me that I thought if anybody, if anybody would know about this, he would. He knows everybody out here. He's <laughs> he's a really old guy, you know, and he's just as open, you know, with talking about anything as, you know, anybody should be. And uh, I didn't say anything about Sasquatch or Bigfoot, but I just told him about the weird things I was experiencing. And I asked him, I prefaced that with him by saying, have you ever had anything weird happen on your property? And it was, his answer was like, what? And I said, well, this, this, this. And I named these weird things. And he said, well, you know what? And he looked around side to side. He said, People don't believe this, but I know we got black panthers out here. <laughs> Yay. Great. <laughs> he didn't even go where I was needing him to go. He wanted to talk about black panthers. Now, he's got a picture of a black panther, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's the closest I got. And the other person I talked to looked at me like I had three heads. So after that, I just said, hey, you know the hell with it. I'm just not going to talk to anybody about this or I'm being the crazy guy. And, you know, yeah, just don't want that. Well, Nancy, we've talked about this on this show. Um, a lot of the older generation, you've got to really get to know them before they'll tell you, you know, things they've seen, things they know, um, things that might have happened to them. And because they'll just, uh, they'll just freeze up and I don't know what you're talking about, you know, and look at you like you said, that guy looked at you, you know, yep. get to know these people, get, get to be a lot friendlier with them. And you, you might be surprised by where it'll take you, you know? Yeah. And you know what I find is the more elevated their position is in the community, the more important their reputation is the quicker they are to ridicule or brush it off or laugh at you, or, you know, say you're nuts. 
and that may even be the people that are having the experiences as well. That, you know, they that's what I'm thinking. You know, you know, they don't want people to think, oh, so-and-so, you know, the, uh, you know, this businessman or what have you, or the successful, you know, guy that runs this, you know, company down here, he saw, oh, you know, they don't want to lose that credibility. And I can't blame them. I, I don't want to either. That's why I'm staying, you know, anonymous in this pretty much. Hey, Mike. It's Jane. Yeah. Whenever y'all came across the deer with the legs torn off, did you notice like any tracks or anything around it or any tracks when the apples were taken? No, um, and I'm, I don't claim to be a, a great tracker. I've just recently started looking for footprints. Um, I'm sure if, if there was a skilled tracker, they may have been able to find something, but I, was, I, wasn't, I didn't see anything obvious, and I wasn't looking. I was more baffled by the deer legs, the lower front legs torn off and laying so close together without any blood around them or insects or ants or anything predating it. And I just thought, that's just strange. I was, I had so many things going through my head that looking for tracks wasn't one of them, unfortunately. Um, but I do wonder about that place because there's no hunting allowed there. And there are all kinds of deer running around over there. They'll, they're leery of people, but I mean, you can get them, within 20 feet of you, you know, just walking along the hiking trails right there. Do you hear very many coyotes around your place? We used to. When we first got out here about five years ago, you'd hear them from all sides. and You'd hear them, oh, every three or four nights or so, uh, more so in the warmer months than the colder. But, uh, the last time I heard a coyote was probably a month ago, and it was coming from a different direction than usual, and it, and it wasn't as large of a pack as we normally have. Um, I think like all the other, yeah. other animals that we're not you know, seeing or hearing or encountering anymore, I think they're kind of disappearing in this area too. And my theory is uh, that Sasquatch, plays out their resources or, you know, they deplete their resources and then they travel to another area and wait for those resources to return at that other area before returning to it. Now I have, I have spent most of my life hunting coyotes and I do know that to be a fact when the small game, the squirrels, the rabbits, whatever they're feeding on plays out in an area, they'll kind of move away. And then, you know, come back later. So, you know, that, that, that doesn't, that's not an, an unusual coyote habit as far as I know. Uh, because, I mean, I've had placed my grandmother's property where I, I hunted a lot over there. Um, there would be years where I wouldn't see a coyote over there. And, and all of a sudden, the place is eat up with them. They're coming up into my grandmother's backyard, you know. So they yeah. will move about. I wouldn't say migrate, but they will shift locations. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and uh, rabbits as well. We haven't had any rabbits there for a while. 
years ago, I was having to keep an eye on the garden and go out there with my 45 and shoot the occasional one that got in there. We put up uh, fencing around it and still, um, yeah, none since all this began. I mean, I'm not even seeing frogs or turtles that used to come out uh, and come down the creek. Uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, the only thing we have plenty of are birds now. Um, that's really about it. That's about the only noise we get are birds and, and locusts. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you hear at night out here now. Do you have a lot well, of quail guess, in that area? I haven't I haven't seen any quail out here, but I'm sure we probably do. I, I would guess probably further back out. Uh, deeper in the woods, they're very skittish. If you've ever hunted them, I mean, yeah, the slightest you walk up on one and startle them really easy, and they'll they'll run off. Mike, the one thing I think that that really kind of bothers me with all the things that you've experienced is the fact that it seems like the activity ramps up when you're gone, and it's like yeah. they know you're gone. And, and that, that really bothers me a little bit. Yeah, it does me too. And my wife told me, she said, there's a lot of this I didn't tell you about because I didn't want you to, you know, not go and do your job, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, what can I do, man? I, I got to go to work. So I leave her armed in here and she locks the doors. I can literally go on a Monday, come back on Friday and, and the doors will still be locked. And if she does go outside, she goes out front through the front door and out into the front part of, of the yard, but she won't go anywhere near the back where she's out of the view of the the neighbors, you know. Does she believe in, okay. in what we're talking about? Yes. At first, she didn't, but after hearing the wood knocks and the hoots and the whoops and uh, the experience with the, the mouse trap that I had, yeah, she's she's right there with me. And what's funny is I'm watching her, too, where she'll, you know, she'll be listening to Bigfoot podcast and putting them on in the car and <laughs> watching the videos now. And it's really funny how it infects you. <laughs> hey Mike. Yeah. Whenever she was talking about the wood knocking, did she say by chance if she heard any type of replies or was that the only one that did it? Whether she heard replies? Yeah, like other wood knocking from far away. Oh, oh yeah, like responding ones. You know, yeah. I should have asked I should have asked her that. Um uh, she's She's gone to the store or so I'd run in there and ask her. Um, she said it went on for a long time. Uh, so it kind of makes me wonder if that's what it was, but I'll be sure to ask her and find out and clarify that. I get the feeling from the activity and the sounds and things that I don't know why I think this, and I'm probably wrong, but I just get the feeling this is either a juvenile that slips away from its group or uh, a rogue that's been kicked out of its group 
I, I haven't I haven't found enough evidence or heard enough sounds in multiples myself or experienced enough things to where it would imply it's a group of two or more. Hello? I could be wrong. Yeah. Hello? Hey, it's Forrest. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. I just went away. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was just texting Forrest that I have the recording device up to monitor how long we're recording, and I, I don't see who's actually on the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gone, and then here's, and I'm trying, uh, and I, I could, I was getting messages, but I couldn't send any out. So it was like I was like, "What the heck is going on here?" <laughs> is there a delay between the the time we say something and the time you hear it, Will? Um, no, no, there isn't any delay on this particular platform. Oh, okay. Got it enough. It was kind of like a 10 second delay kind of a thing where it took time, you know, for signal to transmit and then, uh, get trans translated into code or whatever. And yeah. We, we do get interfered with periodically. Oh, okay. But that's, that's another whole topic of discussion. <laughs> yeah, we can have a whole other show on that. Yeah we, sure. yeah, we could chat about that on Campfire Talk. Or sometimes well, I... I'll forget to mute my phone when we have a thunderstorm and, and you hear rain and all kind of crap going on. <laughs> we're, are we still in, we're still in post-edit, though, right? Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Pre-edit. Pre I'm, I'm, oh, pre-edit. I'm, I'm so excited to talk with Forrest as a fellow Texan. And like I was telling Chuck the other day, I said, what I love is the shows where you have her on because, uh, the guys will usually try to anthropomorphize what they think the Sasquatch is doing and try, you know, to see it through humans thought processes. And then when Forrest comes in, she's got this totally fresh primate, way of thinking from her 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 studies where she can enlighten everyone in i think the best direction because that's what i think these are and uh everybody you know can learn a lot more with her expertise than what we naturally uh incline ourselves towards with the anthropomorphizing i think well thank you i appreciate that greatly um, I think that there's just human nature to anthropomorphize things. I mean, we do that with our own pets and everything mm -hmm. else. So I think that is a natural um, kind of the way we humans trend. But um, y'all probably heard me over and over say, and other guys here, I, I think it's a great ape, you know. And, of course, a lot of people have said, oh, but they're bipedal, so they must be human. Well, you know, we've since found out from the fossil record and this is just in the past few years that, in fact, uh, bipedalism is not uncommon in um, the lower orders of primates. And uh, so I think that what we have is a specialized primate, great ape, that has developed. And they have a lot of archaic features. They have a lot of human-like features. And 
they have just managed to pull the best of each, I think, primate <laughs> uh, features that are available to them and have made uh, the best use of them. Kind Do you have a lot of tiny woods in your area? Have a lot of what? Tiny woods in your area? Yes, ma'am. That's a lot of huh. editing, Will. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, you know, and hearing it from somebody else, if the, if the same story was coming out of somebody else's mouth, I would, I'd think, you know, you're full of crap. You're way too close, you know, to the city. But, uh, no. That's what makes me think it's it's either a rogue or a juvenile, something that doesn't know any better yet. Because some of the things that I'm that I've spoken about, they seem like something a a, a younger one would be doing, or or an old dumb one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> an old dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe that's why they kicked him out. I I don't know. <laughs> It was causing too many problems. You're out. Yeah. You're, you're being seen. You're being too obvious. You know, um, you know, the other consideration is that they don't care. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably the true form there. I think they expect that when they look at someone or someone sees them, that we're just going to urinate and defecate on ourselves and run. And 99.9% of the time, that's the case. You know, so, yeah, given that's the response from people, yeah, what would be your motive to, you know, be stealthy and quiet, you know, exactly? Well, the guys will tell you here when I first uh, related my, uh, of course, my first sighting that I ever had was up north of Coeur Lane, and it was walking across the road. Now, on my second close and <laughs> close-up encounter was uh, right out here on the, the ranch and it was there was nothing between me and it than a pane of glass and they will tell you that when some I think somebody I don't remember now who asked me how I felt about it and I was like I was terrified I mean here I was an anthropologist I used to always say when I was young and dumb oh I want to go out and discover Bigfoot yeah mm -hmm. okay well at that that particular moment I'm telling you that that was not the first thing on my mind. That idea changed so, quick. <laughs> it, it changed real quick. It was, <laughs> I'm like, uh, all I've got is just uh, this piece of glass between me and that big critter out there, and this is not looking real good for me. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, all the edu education in the world cannot help you at that point. <laughs> it's interesting so. in that you don't hear about well, I'm sure it has happened, and, and with your guys' experience doing this for as long as y'all have, uh, people disappearing from their homes, you know. It's more people disappearing when they're out fishing, hunting, hiking, uh, but it's almost like when you're in their area, you're, you're in their neighborhood, their neck of the woods, all bets are off, but they have kind of a I don't know if it's a fear-based boundary of our dwellings, our homes, or or what it is. Um, although I did recall hearing that show that you did for us where you talked about um, it had dropped a can of soup or something on your head when you were laying on your couch or whatever. 
Well, now let's let's be, be factual on that. That was a can of beans. <laughs> can of beans. Yeah. And I don't know whether he tossed it or she. I don't even know what the gender of the of the Bigfoot was. Um, either it tossed it, or it just walked over and dropped dropped it on my top of my head. All I know is it certainly put a nice little cut on my forehead. And I woke up with a can of beans next to me, trying to figure out how did that happen. So, um, and then I started smelling the smell in the cabin, and uh, I looked over, and here was my door pushed wide open, and I was like, okay, uh, you know, <laughs> the realization hit me of what had transpired, and um, you know, and and they all laughed at me because. Uh, I remember when I first related that, Will, and you, you probably do too. Somebody asked me, well, why didn't you hear it, you know? And because I, I had my earbuds in listening to this, one of these weird, you know, Bigfoot shows that I like to listen to. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I had my earbuds in and I did not hear a thing. And I'm telling you, that was the last time I ever slept with my earbuds in. Well, so, Forrest, you remember um, the guy T.W. told us about his friend John? He was back from a trip and sleeping. Oh, yeah. He was sleeping in his room. He didn't have earbuds or anything, and he still yeah. didn't hear the creature come in the house. He woke up to it standing well, over yeah. him. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. And I think he had a rather uh, abrupt... A meeting with that critter very, too very didn't he lose so. a finger at that? yeah yeah About three morale well, like yeah so i don't know well, <laughs> what do you think um in your uh studies with uh with with primates have you seen any other primates break limbs on trees and point them towards something and is that indicative of anything you guys think i've never seen another primate do that i'll be honest with you now i've seen uh plenty of uh now i've never worked with i've been out with chimps and uh or gorillas I, i'm not diane feinstein or uh, any of the other Diane Fossey. people that have been, uh, <laughs> not Feinstein. <laughs> Diane Feinstein. I'm, you know what? I, I'm sitting here. I'll tell you, you're going to laugh because I'm sitting here. I've got a. <laughs> I had a TV show that when that y'all started, it paused, and Diane Feinstein's sitting here looking at me. Thank you, Diane. <laughs> I'm looking at Diane Feinstein, and it was just a Freudian slip. It just came out. She, she deals so with sorry, a different guys. kind of primate. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Yeah, they look out there with you, Will. That Will is good. Anyway, I am so sorry, the guys. That was a true Freudian slip there. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have never gone out in the wilds and studied them. So the ones that I have ever had to deal with were kind of in lab situations and sanctuary situations. So you're going to have to understand that their behavior is quite modified as to what an animal in the wild would be acting like. But I have seen plenty of film footage where uh, chimpanzees will break off limbs and they will beat their fellow members with. They will beat, they will beat humans with them. They will beat the trees with them. Um, and I, guys, here no i and if you've listened to very many of the shows you know i don't like primates i got a severe bite from a um it was really a juvenile um 
uh, chimp, and thank heavens because if it had probably been an adult one, I probably wouldn't have a, a right arm today. But um, the they're vicious creatures, and I think when we look at Bigfoot, there are times that I see a lot of uh, chimpanzee behavior in them. Now, Mike, I and can... then I see a lot of human behavior in them. And you know what? It's it's kind of uh, distressing because you think of something out there in the woods that's that big, that dangerous, and that powerful, what uh, kind of havoc it could wreak. So, yeah, Mike, you know. Mike, I can tell you about the broken trees. Um, it was something we didn't, nobody knew oh, anything good. about until, um, actually, I'm the first one that really figured that out. Uh Going, going to Bob Titmus's house in the 80s, he showed me some stuff he found, and I think it was the 1960s when he found this stuff, and him and another guy were following a line of tracks, and he showed me, he brought, brought a lot of these home, and they were kind of small, you know, I, I've told this on the show before, that the sticks were only about an inch thick, and they were snapped over, and he had dozens of these, and he said, well, we were following this line of tracks, and periodically we would find this. And, and to me, and he didn't know what it was, and, and to me it was like, well, gee, I, I thought anybody could do that, really. So it didn't impress me a whole lot. So fast forward to the summer of 1991, when a friend of mine and I were going in to search this watershed area where there had been a lot of activity. Um, it wasn't conducive to finding any kind of evidence. It was just some water and and uh, rock in there. There wasn't really any, it wasn't any dirt in there. It was on um, bedrock. So we decided to climb this ridge and go up to a saddle we were looking at that divided two drainage systems. There had been a lot of sightings on both drainage systems, so we surmised that the, the saddle was a crossing point. So we wanted to go up there and have a look and see if there was anything up there. So most of the way, we were probably about three-quarters of the way up this ridge, around 2,200 feet in elevation. We stopped to take a break. Now, this is a closed canopy. There was you know, no possible bad weather in there. Uh, middle of July, and we saw this Doug fir tree. It was probably around 15 feet tall, about three inches, maybe a little more thick. And and I had a tape measure. I mean, I measured where this break was. It was snapped 90 degrees over, eight feet, one inches off the ground. And then there was no markings on it, and it was freshly done. We couldn't figure out how this was done. So I we looked around a bit, and about 100 yards off to the northeast, there was another one. We walked to that location. From that point, and it was interesting, the farthest you could see was about 100 yards at each one of these. We found 13 of these in a line going to the northeast. And I took pictures, and we had to leave the area. We couldn't follow it anymore because of uh, constraints of daylight and having to cross a river to get out of the area. But uh, I showed one of my buddies from the Klamath Reservation, and he chuckled. He says, oh, you finally found that. And I said, well, what is that? <laughs> and he kind of chuckled a little bit more, and he says, well... He says, what you found there is their marking. I said, well, what, is, what does this marking mean to your people? And he says, well, he says, what you found, that's a, that's a territorial marking. He says, what you found was the big guy of the group, the Alpha, uh, telling the other members of that group where, what direction we're going to to the next feeding area. And then he also said, sometimes they will actually mark an area as a warning to others of their kind that that's a, that's a heavy human activity area. And basically, you know, don't go there. But, um, you know, so it, it is something we find when they're, in a, when they're active in an area. Oh, okay. 
Well, hopefully they're saying it's a heavy uh, activity area. <laughs> well, what you've done is good by you know taking the taking the measure that I suggested because they they were in the process of encroaching on your home, and these things. And I remember it's their behaviors aren't blanket behaviors. You have to take into account individuals and groups' experience levels, you know their disposition, all these different factors. Um, to see where they are in their process. I mean, it's almost like, and I've mentioned this before in shows, it's almost like the progression of a serial killer. You know, as, as they're from young to older, you know, they, they, they're testing the waters to see, kind of see what they can get away with. And, and by establishing those measures, that's letting them know, hey, you know, we're on to you. You can't do that here. With um, clearing out, I'm sorry, go ahead, Forrest. No, I was just going to say that's kind of like, uh, you know, you're talking about a serial killer that's kind of like perfecting your routine. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So if they, if yeah, they feel they, they can get away with that. When you first, right. Yeah. If they feel they can get away with it, they'll continue. Yeah, they'll continue that behavioral yeah, progression. Escalate. Yeah, exactly. So would uh, would uh, cutting down a lot of the, right now, my, my uh, I call it feedlot back there mm-hmm. where all the, activity is originating from would cutting that back and opening that up and uh, cutting it down to the ground prove i even thought about having truckloads of dirt brought in and just fill that little valley in what you, you know make it flush you can yeah what cut you all the, the trees out of it they they don't like to be out in the open they like to stay you know use concealment so you want at least at least a 50 foot boundary from your home to you know clear all the vegetation out away from your house uh, and I, I would suggest any area you want free of their activity. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of doing. Um, lots of lights. I'm sorry. Lots of lights. Yes. Yeah. And and yeah, they they have very few pictures of them going across baseball fields, right? And, and the same with <laughs> and the same with your routines. If you have a regular routine, you want to change your routines up. Because they'll watch very carefully for long time periods and see what your established patterns are. Mm, great. What well, I now I'm going to ask one question here, if I may. Yeah. Because, uh, well, you actually brought something to, to my mind here, and I don't think I'd, in all this time, that I've ever asked you. You know, when I when we first got into a discussion about this, I told you all about all the, the the limbs that I found on my trees that were pulled down and twisted. Mm-hmm. And I guess what brought that to mind was because uh, I was out there this morning and I saw some of those still out there uh, in my trees. And uh, I mean, they weren't fresh. They were the old ones that were still hanging there, you know, and there, you know, there's quite a few of them out there. Uh, I don't think I ever asked you, do you have any idea what the meaning of doing that is? And I, you know, now I will say this, that, and I think I told you this right after we put the big, the high fence, the, the six foot high fence all around the, the yard and everything, that I went out there and this is the, uh, the, in, right directly in the backyard. I found two of them, uh, one morning and they weren't there the night before. And so something had come in here and pulled those down. And, of course, that's been a few months back, but I haven't seen any more of that type of, uh, you know, 
branch twisting. You know what I'm talking about? They just pull, break the branch off and then twist it. And that's what Titma and it's showed still me. Like yeah, that's the same yeah, thing and, Titma and, showed me. Well, what is, I mean, uh, what actually are they, do you think in your mind that they're trying to accomplish by that? It, a directional it's got to be some kind of it's got to be some kind of a behavioral cue to them i mean i i don't really know i mean we have to look at the larger context of what's going on to kind of figure out what they're doing but a lot of times we don't know it's uh you know some of this is just pure guesswork well i've sat and scratched my head i just i'm like what exactly are they trying to accomplish i, I would you know? i would it, say like, when, when you first find something think about things that have happened within a couple days prior to them doing that or a couple days after to see, okay, is that associated with some kind of behavioral uh, things that were going on? Yeah. And that was right after we put that fence up. So I just had a feeling that that may, they were trying to, that may be, uh, voice their displeasure. It could be like this. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They could have, that could be a direct connection. Something Um, kind of akin to the twist being an exclamation point. In whatever the message is they're sending about breaking the branch. And, and there's a difference. Sometimes you find trees that are twisted, sometimes snapped over. Now, that could be the type of fibers in that particular plant or tree. Or it could be a behavioral cue, something, you know, there's some different meaning in it. To, it's to them. You know, it's their meanings. Do you find trees where they're broken but really high up? Like, we do like these that we found well we do but in usually of course in this part of the country it's it's usually snow related because we get areas where the snow is you know 10 12 feet deep in the winter time and that corresponds to where the breaks are because the creatures have come through in the winter time and broken those you know at that level but um in other areas where you don't get snowfall it's hard telling i mean that's different parts of the country the creatures do things slightly different yeah, it's crazy because uh, the tree that was recently broken, oh my gosh, it's like uh, probably five, six inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. And it's 10, 11, 12 feet up off the ground. And it's down in the valley. Everything that, that has happened uh, that's left physical sign has been either at the edge of the little valley or down in the valley. It's not unusual to be that high if you've got a big, if you've got a big individual, you know, if you've got one that's eight, nine feet high, you know, of course they could reach up that high easily. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's mixed for me. I'd like to see one to allay my curiosity. Careful what you wish for. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, Yeah. That's what Tracy was saying. You know, I know every. I understand everybody's desire to see one, and of course, you know, there's two kinds of situations. I've actually experienced both of them. Uh, the second one was the one everybody wants, where you have a physical barrier between you and the creature, you know, so you're you're relatively safe, and and you see it, and then it, off it goes. Uh, the f- one that's most common though is the one where you inadvertently walk in on one, and there it is, you know, twenty feet or less in front of you. Um, and you have the proverbial underwear changing experience. Uh, yeah. that's, that's unfortunately <laughs> the most common one. Hey, my wife has not been hiking. She was hiking out at this particular park on an almost regular basis. <laughs> and, uh, she told me that the last time she went, she'd gone by herself and I always told her, don't go by yourself, you know, just 
it's not a good idea to go hiking by yourself anyway. And she went by herself. Um, but she told me the last time she got by herself that she had heard footsteps that were in the leaves that were, you know, uh, near her that were following her. And she felt that she was being watched and she cut her hike in half and just went back to her vehicle and left. Yeah. There's safety in numbers for a lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, you could trip and fall and injure yourself very badly. Yeah. Um, you know, then there's, you know, other, any lots of other situations that could happen, but especially with these creatures, safety in numbers is a big thing. And it makes me wonder how has anyone disappeared from this park? Uh, records of people disappearing from there or not. But, uh, that's where we found the deer legs snapped off in uh-huh. the middle of the hiking trail. 20, 30 minutes south west of us from where we are, where we live. But that's nothing for a squatch, I'm sure. I mean, they could cover that in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, I hate to say it, we're running short on time. Um, any further questions for Mike before we uh, wrap this up? Mike, yeah. I just appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, I enjoyed speaking to you and speaking with you. And, you know, be sure you keep us informed if, you know, other stuff starts happening. Oh, I sure will. Probably more so than you'll want to hear. Yeah, Mike, you can you can <laughs> yeah, text me. Really you can text or email me anytime and, uh, you know, I'll tell you what I okay. whatever I can and help you any way I can. I sure appreciate it. Well, uh, thank same you. Well, you're more than welcome to give me my email or even my phone number for that matter. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with all the cover-up going on through the government indices, which I, I believe is the Department of the Interior, and then it goes down to the uh, Parks and Wildlife Service. But I think if, if we expose this more and more and uh, people investigated ourselves and with this day and age of technology, video, everything else, if we just keep bombarding YouTube and the Internet and uh, – podcasts and we just keep putting it out there you know what what we're filming hearing seeing catching experiencing it's not going to be something that they're going to be able to censor and and stop we'll bring it out you know ourselves whether they like it or not all right mike thanks for joining us and like i say you know keep in touch and uh thanks for joining us folks thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.